Welcome to Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast that explores the intersection of mental health and real life. My name is Justin Lewis, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist and your host. On today's episode is my regular sidekick, Leslie Donner. Leslie and I are going to talk about how to handle, how to overcome a common problem amongst professionals and those just uh, who are overwhelmed with many things, which is burnout. So we're going to talk about what conventional thought process is when it comes to, to the definition of burnout and also talk about what uh, we've kind of come up with as an idea of burnout and specifically what one needs to do in order to both get out of burnout and to prevent themselves from finding them in a place of burnout. Before we get into that, I want to remind you that this podcast episode of Mapping Healthy Minds is brought to you by Compass Counseling. Compass Counseling has three locations, Paducah, Owensboro, and Henderson. We also have locations digitally, virtually, all over the state. So we're able to do telehealth with people wherever they are in the state of Kentucky. If you want to learn more about Compass Counseling, make an appointment, any of those sort of things, go to compasscounseling.com. Now is my interview with licensed psychologist Leslie Donner. Burnout generally, I don't have any definitions in front of me, but I think let's talk about conventional thinking when it comes to, we'll start there with burnout. I told somebody I was going to talk about burnout and they said, well, is it going to be at home or at work? I didn't really think about I always anything. think work. I, I always think of work yeah. myself. I think it's going to affect home if you're experiencing burnout at work. Right. But I never think about home burnout. They also brought up church burnout. Ooh. So being burnout at uh, whatever kind of organization you may be a part yeah. of, I think is possible as well. I was only thinking of it in terms of work. That's a very... Uh, man perspective isn't it i don't think so no? i mean okay. i think any time that it's been written about it's been written about in terms of work and specific professions even yes like uh the helping field seems to yeah. get it seems to get a lot of attention with burnout obviously i have a more um kind of in tuned <laughs> attitude towards the helping profession and what's being written yeah. about it versus other fields because i'm right here in the middle of it but well, it does we, seem like helping profession. We uh, help a doctors, lot of helpers. Yeah, that right. Deal true. With it. Doctors, nurses, teachers, pastors, all of those kind of things. Oh gosh, are there pastors that admit thing. to getting burnout? Yeah, for sure. So, kind of coming back around, conventional thought is that burnout is when you got too much stuff on your plate. Right. Don't, don't, wouldn't you agree with that? That, that Conventionally, be... yeah. I mean, I don't define it that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think, used to. Yes, me too. But then I realized I have burnout before in places where I don't feel overwhelmed. Oh, gosh. I've yes. burnout in situations where I feel like... There's not enough to do. There's not enough to do. So then I was like, okay, so too much to do isn't burnout. <laughs> but I'm feeling these feelings of burnout. So there's something missing here. What is it, Justin? Yeah. And so I realized that it's finding value would be burnout. If you lose the value, so you can have not enough to do and you're not finding the value. Mm -hmm. 
having too much to do can keep you from finding value because you're too busy. To, well, you're chasing to your feel tail. Accomplished. And yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. You're trying to keep up, keep your head above water. So you're not feeling accomplished. You yeah. feel like you're just trying to keep your head above water. So that also can lead to that. But I think ultimately it comes down to finding value because um, otherwise, I mean, how do you really truly measure too much? <laughs> right? Like <clears throat> for me, it's like, okay, how many clients a week is going to create burnout? There's no way to say that. Right. But I mean, I can kind of take some uh, evidence over the years or something like that. But yeah. I think ultimately it's about what value I get out of who I'm helping and those sort of things. Now, do you ever schedule your clients accordingly? I've noticed before on your schedule, you say no new clients on Friday afternoons. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I like to know what I'm getting myself into, particularly on Friday afternoons. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of have particular types of cases that I'll take yeah. generally on Friday afternoons, um, up against breaks. I'll have kind of some ideas on who I might want. Even mid-afternoons, I might have some ideas on what type of client yeah. I might want, actually. And uh, so what about you? Do you? Are you strategic in that way? I don't think that I am, but I will have days where I look at who I've got and I'm like, oh, yay. <laughs> like, I love everybody I'm seeing today. And then, you know, other days maybe it's uh, more of a challenge. <laughs> I, you haven't come to love them yet. Right. <clears throat> How right. about that? You know, How's that's true too. That is very because true. new clients like that you haven't really connected with yet or you're mm -hmm. thinking like, okay, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can help them or not. Then you don't get as excited to see them because mm -hmm. you feel ill-equipped sometimes yeah and i think that you know kind of coming back to our theme here being feeling ill-equipped mm -hmm. is uh leads to burnout okay so then timing of career because some people say mm. like the longer you're in your career you're more likely to have burnout i experienced burnout very early on <laughs> same yeah. <laughs> yeah and maybe that's what it was like feeling mm. like not confident in what you're doing right i think that's another part of it i think yeah all those all those things lead to finding value, mm -hmm. um, whether it's not confident, so you feel like you're not doing a good job, therefore, no value. Yeah. Not enough, not, no value, right? Too much, no value. So maybe we waste too much time thinking about how to allocate our time. Right. And we need to focus more on making sure that whatever we're doing creates value. And honestly, sometimes we're going to be in positions where we have to take a little effort for ourselves to find the value. Mm -hmm. So maybe a lot of our job responsibilities or whatever job we might be in kind of suck. Right. But there's something that we can say, all right, what is the value in this? And then I think if we look for that, no matter what job situation we're in, because sometimes we're in better jobs than others. Not always are we in perfect jobs like you and I are in right now. <laughs> sometimes we're in jobs that aren't as... Uh, fulfilling right. and so um, and maybe this, at those times we may have to be like okay this is I a have good to, learning I have experience to, I have to search for meaning a little bit more yeah uh, who is that uh Victor Frankel yes. right the search for meaning right his, he was a he was in a concentration camp yeah. I believe and his thing was he can't, he was about the time of Freud he and Freud were kind of alternate in their perspectives I yeah. think you're the psych psychology teacher yeah. so please stop me when I get this wrong but he was all about like Suffering gives life, life meaning, according right, to him. Right. Get, what gives life meaning is you kind of creating a plan, some different things like that, yeah. where Freud is all about your life is planned out based on 
your relationship with your mom or something like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not a fair representation of Freud, but anyways, they were kind of contemporaries, right? And they yeah. had somewhat different, different perspectives. Approaches. Totally. Yeah. Um, I, I go to that a lot, the idea of, of meeting with clients. I mean, the last year or so, like even my teenagers doing the virtual learning, I try to put a positive spin on it. Like, okay, but, you know, you are learning from this. And one told me last week, she's like, well, yeah, I figured out how to appear as if I've logged into my classes and I don't do anything all day. I'm like, well, that's something, right? That's You've learned something here. So I think that maybe I'm not encouraging getting out of work, but I am seeing that one of the values that might come out of this is people having to learn curiosity mm-hmm. uh, and figuring it out, which with in the land of Google, curiosity is going to get people a lot further than memorizing and regurgitating oh facts yes. on well, a test. I mean, you get into the education system. We've been doing that wrong for years. <laughs> right. But as a way to... Maybe we'll figure out how to develop curiosity or something yeah. like that because an interest. And yeah, I had a student the other day that was talking about well, you know, in my English class we have to read speeches, and you know, I can't figure out how to. I'm not getting any meaning from them. I'm like, why are you just going online and reading the um, what do you call it the uh, transcripts of famous speeches? I said go watch the movie at least jfk or watch like watch the actual speech don't right, right, you know yeah. and it doesn't occur to them like they don't think outside really? the box you know yeah yeah teaching teaching how to think is so much more valuable mm-hmm. than having people write a report on something yeah so maybe that is something that can come out of this is they've got to get some figure it out ism right into it i don't know and there's more than what's what's that awful saying? There's more to, more than one way to skin a cat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, critical thinking improves. The, okay, so that back, like back to therapists and burnout and stuff like that. Sometimes you need challenging clients. Yeah, yeah you need variety. Right. Sure. People that do make you think or people that you think, I don't know how to help this person. Then all of a sudden it occurs to you, you have that light bulb moment, that insight. Mm-hmm. That keeps you from being burnt out. And I'll tell you one way that I do that is it's interesting. It's, uh, it's not necessarily going to therapy manuals or going <laughs> to like um, yeah. specific books on being a better therapist. But for me, I do a lot of reading it's like adjacent to therapy. So it's like um, sociology kind of stuff or philosophy kind of stuff and finding ways to take those lessons and use creativity to apply them. That's one way that I keep from being burnt out, honestly. Yeah. Um, Just because it keeps it, keeps a variety there. And I I don't know, it's something that may appeal to my creative side, you know, Mm -hmm. to to try to do it that way rather than just getting into the uh, rut of opening a, a notebook and kind of going through page one, page two. I do have some kind of regular strategies that I go through with couples that have been proven to work. So I don't go away from them easily, but I do try to incorporate these other things from outside the field to make them fit inside the field. Yeah. Cause I think that if you are exclusively relying on theories and stuff, you find in a lot of jobs, the people who, came up with the theories often did not do the 
hard work. I mean, it's almost like if you look at, at medicine or education, you got the administrators, and then you've got the people on the ground, like face-to-face mm. actually doing the work. And a lot of times, <laughs> right. the administrators have never been in those jobs. So the things that they say, like those theories, don't often play out in the real world. Like that's not applicable. That's not practical for me to suggest a client mm. to do, you know. Yeah, and that's, uh, I think more and more in our field, it's becoming that the modern therapist is kind of, they get their training, but they have to figure it out yeah. for themselves as far as yeah. what works. And the importance that is placed on the relationship between the client and mm-hmm. the therapist, you know, kind of talked about that a little bit and developing that and figuring out what that's going to look like for each individual client. But, um, to me, like building rapport, building trust, and like creating a sense of hope that things can be better, yeah, is one of the things that is on the forefront of my mind to try to do, especially early on, mm-hmm. um, because that's what I mean. People are ultimately coming here because they want things to be better, right? And uh, anyways, I guess some, just I don't know how that applies necessarily to burnout. I think just being creative and being open about what you're doing yeah, gives you meaning. Yeah, not being super rigid. Right, kind of going back to that gets meaning. Whatever you can do to find meaning and value. So that might that approach might not work for somebody. That's yeah. okay. We don't have to put it in a textbook and train it to therapists in grad school. Right. But I think somehow being able to communicate that finding meaning in your work is what's going to keep you from being burnt out. Sometimes it might be harder than others to find meaning. And sometimes we may be in a position where we can say, I find the most meaning when I do this type of work. Yeah. Like for me, I tend to, I learned over eight years that I find the most meaning working with couples primarily. Mm-hmm. So when I got a chance to just specialize in that, I feel like I'm probably helping more people because I can help more couples and not struggle as much in these other cases where I don't find as much meaning or don't think that I'm contributing quite the same way. Yeah. Um, and so for therapists, when you have an opportunity to specialize in something, I recommend that as well. It's better for everybody. It's better yeah. for, you know, you don't want to be like, you've got a certain demographic where it's like, uh, you're not going to be as good a therapist. Right. Because there's something inherent in you that's like doesn't connect and don't you don't feel as much value and meaning in that type of work. So it's not as good for them. It's not as good for you. It's not as good for other clients that's not, that are not going to get the best you because you're feeling burnt out. It's just... Anyways, yeah. Your your um, demographic is is not that limited. I mean, you could think, well, you do primarily couples, but there's a lot of diversity within the couples that you do. You sure, know? true. Age, right, right, right. jobs, you know, ethnicities, socioeconomic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So there's definitely diversity in that. And I think too, like we're blessed in that um, you know private practice enables you to have a much more diverse client base than you know somebody's first job out of grad school, which is a lot of times community mental health. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're seeing everything that comes in the door. Well, I guess sometimes at community mental health they have adult and children therapists. So yeah, they, yeah, that's yeah, true. They do around here, but still, it's um, there's so many clients. But really the ratio, you, sh- you know. Yeah, yeah. And when you're talking about dealing with much more severe mental illness, too, compared to, mm-hmm. you know, what we might see, more of a short-term problem, mm-hmm. it's different. You know, I always liked that part of it, though. I loved the, like, severely mentally ill. Maybe because mm. I didn't feel as pressured, like, 
<laughs> okay, if this person has a certain diagnosis, you know, right. lifelong. I already knew going into it, I'm, I can't cure this. <laughs> yeah. But I can be supportive and educate them and, you know. Hmm. Expectations were lower. Yeah. Kind of. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. It's true. Because it sometimes can be a little bit more... Uh, feel like you have to be on your game when you've yes. got like professionals. Yes. And that's the thing too about, I love when I get a really smart client, but it is also a challenge, yeah. you know, right. To I, match wits <laughs> sometimes. True. And they, they start to outsmart themselves and yeah. Sometimes I'm like, what am I going to teach you? Like you've got your life together. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. You're a, you're a big dog in town. Yes. But then I have to remind myself they might be a big dog in their way, but they oh, yeah. I've got stuff that I don't know. And, and a lot of times, just the fact that they come to therapy shows me that they've got, you know, humility. Hmm. How do you fix it? That's a good question. So, you know, I've kind of said a couple different ways, being able to find meaning, but maybe there's a another question after that that mm-hmm. is, okay, so how do I find meaning? Maybe some... I don't like saying journaling because that somehow seems really challenging for a lot of people. So they just immediately tune out. Yeah. So maybe I'll just say writing stuff down. Yeah. Writing down whenever you do a task or do something and you're like, oh, that made me feel like I contributed to the world. Right. Just recording that and then going back and being like, oh, how can I, (laughs) how can I um, do this? Yeah. In fact, that just reminded me when I was in a place where... I was kind of some burnout from not having enough of something that I felt meaning in. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what what can I do about this? So then I thought, I'm going to do a little bit of brainstorming. And I thought, I'm going to write down some things that either I enjoy or uh, am kind of good at doing mm-hmm. or people have told me that I have some skills in. Yeah. So I sat down and I wrote down some things. I'm pretending like I'm left-handed right now. Yeah. It's strange. <laughs> I think it's because the computer's in my way. I wrote down some things that I thought were attributes that I um, valued, mm-hmm. things that I enjoyed doing. And then I looked, <laughs> I looked at it and I thought, oh, well, I think that I'll go do that again. Yeah. And so to me, that's, that's been advice that I've given people when they don't know what direction to take. It's like... Instead of figuring out what job, figuring out what you're good at, it's kind of like working backwards. Yeah. And so same kind of thing can work even if you stay inside the same job that you're at is finding a different piece of what you value and identifying what you value and focusing on that part of it. Also, just remembered, uh, I was listening to a discussion sort of about this and... um, They gave a a nice little phrase that I hope I'm going to be able to remember correctly. But, oh, they said, um, you know, oftentimes people, especially like millennials have this reputation of changing jobs or whatever, you know. Well, they were saying that they were encouraging instead of getting the novelty factor of a new job Mm -hmm. to think about the nuance factor of the current job that you're at. So finding different ways that you can contribute or... Yeah, uh, kind of like you have this podcast. Yeah, like, exactly. Or like we could get involved in some sort of marketing aspect. Where I mean, yeah, there's mm-hmm. 
take on a new project or a new task at your current job. Exactly. Mm. To keep things fresh. And so that's, to me, some good advice is to think about what, yeah. what other kind of detailed aspects of your job can you create or focus on to, to keep it from being mundane. Yeah. You know, and people tend to focus on the negatives, the things that they don't do as well, or the complaints. Um, I tell clients all the time, somebody sends you a text that's really nice, screenshot it. Every positive remark that you get, write it down somewhere, put it up on your mirror. Like somebody was telling me a really nice compliment they got the other day. And I was like, you need to like, Mm. I don't know, put that on some jewelry or something and wear (laughs) it around. It was so nice. Good tattoo on your forearm. (laughs) Yeah. So what about you? What do you think about things to do when you've been burned out? What have you done about it? Um, well, I would be the one that would change a job. <laughs> like, oh, I don't like this anymore. Um, yeah, I do. Oh, gosh. I think about Jerry Maguire at the mission statement. It's a mission statement. Um, I think I did that once at a job. I um, I was leaving one division. It was like the adult division. I was leaving to go to the children's division. And um, I was like, there's all these things wrong. Like, you guys are doing all this all wrong. Nobody cared. Like, I was, you know, like <laughs> yeah. arguing against an institution. I was very idealistic and like 25 at the uh, time. Yeah, of course. And um, I remember the like head of operations or something at that particular um, branch was like, well, you know, could you write me, you know, tell me, because I guess the guy in charge, there'd been some complaints about how he ran that office. And I was like, he's like, tell me, you know, what are some areas you could see for improvement? I don't think he expected what he was going to get because I did. It was like nine pages, single space typed of like, here's everything you're doing wrong and how you need to fix it. And um, so they, they approved my transfer to a different job and then they they cut my pay like two thousand dollars and i'm like i'm i'm never going to speak up again (laughs) that's a bad lesson that you had to learn i mean it's not even a lesson that's i guess it kind of is but it doesn't need to be that way i know i listen to uh you know i've read and hear these successful people talk about how they approach self-improvement and one of the ways is being able to take criticism oh gosh and so I was talking about that with a client earlier, actually, and I said, you know, therapy is kind of like um, the therapist is the editor of your life. Because mm-hmm. this person I was reading about or listening to, he was talking about how he had a great editor whenever he was starting out as a writer. Yeah. And that really helped him. And I was like, you know, therapy is kind of like uh, an editor of your life to kind of <laughs> help you see, well, let's not do that, but yeah. how about you do, go this direction with it? You know, how. Instead of doing that, be more concise or, you know, whatever. Are that even a part of, I think, teaching people to take that criticism is teaching them well, to have a sense of humor about themselves, not to take themselves so seriously. Mm-hmm. I've recently had one of my favorite clients was going through this long, I think I told you about this, just long spiel about, well, I need to do this and I need to make my children do this and we're <laughs> going to present ourselves this way. And she went through all of it. And I'm like rolling my eyes. And I said, you know, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And she was like, Thank you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And of course, you. it takes, I think that that does take like some years of experience to feel comfortable calling people out like it that. It really does, yeah. 
It really does. And it won't work for every client. And I hate to say it that way because I hated to hear it whenever I was a young therapist. Yes. I hated it so I bad when people would play the experience and just say that it takes experience because I was like, uh, whatever, you know, like, because oh, no. it's impossible to, there's only one way to get experience, you know. Right. But it is so true that it takes experience to know how to handle those situations well, and, and feel it, confident. I think it, that's what it is, feel confident. Yeah, it does to be able to sell it because a lot of to being a therapist it. is selling yourself. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. It's so true. Yeah. Selling your personality. Yeah, that's right. Well, and they can't take it either. <laughs> I know you posted something earlier this week about, and it's true, like you don't have to be a certain age or a certain this or have, you know, all you, you don't have to be totally mentally well yourself to be a therapist. <laughs> but sometimes if you like, if you want to approach clients in that way, I don't think some clients are going to take that from a fresh out of school therapist. It's I, true. Know, I, if I were 25 right now, I could not have said to my client, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, <laughs> it's true. That is very true. Yeah. That's a, it's just an inherent block there, yeah. isn't it? I tell my clients how much year, how many years of experience I have now in the initial session. Yeah. And then I make a joke about it and I'm like, well, I feel like I owe it to young Justin. Mm-hmm. to use the experience card because you always had to fight the uphill battle yeah. of not having experience. Right. So I both say it to get the fact out there, but also to make a joke about it so it doesn't seem quite as um, obvious that I'm just trying yeah. to th- brag about uh, my well, experience. And, you know, people who come to therapist, I mean, if, if I had cancer, I would not. I don't blame them. Yeah. I don't well, blame I them. Don't, I know, but it's like. I'm not going to go to a doctor and insist that he has to have had cancer before he treats me. Oh, well, yeah, that part of it. That's, yeah. You know, and I've, I've grown in my views regarding substance abuse over the years because I used to resent that fact. I used to resent that only people who were certified in treating substance abuse disorders could, or, or who were recovered mm. um, addicts themselves. But now I get it. I get it. And I don't want any, any part in that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, they, can, um, they can have it. Yeah. I think we've learned today that burnout can happen whether you have a lot of stuff going on or whether you don't have stuff going mm-hmm. on or whether you have medium, medium stuff going on. <laughs> it's just about uh, finding value in your work mm-hmm. or whatever you might be a part of. And ways to combat that are to keep things fresh and creative and create some nuance with your work find value, whatever that might be. So take some time to think about what is valuable here. And then also sometimes we just need hobbies to get some value out of yeah, life. Something totally the opposite of therapy. Uh, yeah, or outside thinking. of therapy, yeah. To just be able to find value in, in some way. But that's uh, an important piece of life hmm. that leads to you burnout. Know, in I find point. a mentor. Or a mentee. Any last words on burnout? I don't think so. Okay. Thank you again for being here. You're going to be here more often, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. I think so, too. Until I get burnout. This has been Mapping Healthy Minds, a podcast that explores the intersection of mental health and life. For more episodes, you can find the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and we are also on social media sites, Facebook and Instagram. Website for the show is MappingHealthyMinds.com, which has access to all the episodes that we've recorded so far and a little bit more about the show. 
Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, give us a review or tell a friend. It's the best way for us to pass the word on to other people. Mapping Healthy Minds is brought to you by Compass Counseling and is produced and hosted by yours truly, Justin Lewis.